Let's pray, and then we'll look into God's Word today. God, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that apart from the Holy Spirit, uh, reading the Bible is simply an academic exercise that uh, might bring us more information but doesn't bring us life. So we believe the Holy Spirit helps us in a way that brings us life. So we, uh, we love your word, we trust your word, and uh, we know that through it we can be changed. And we ask all in Christ's name, amen. I'm just going to start off again with, uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're talking about honoring the Holy Spirit. I've been doing a couple of series on this. And remember I said before, and I, I'll, I'll repeat this because I think it's more, the more, <laughs> the more I think about this, the more I think it's true, that in, when the church faces a hard time, when the church faces persecution, when the church just faces challenges. Somebody told me this a couple years ago, and I think it's so true. The only two things that really matter is learning to pray like Jesus. You know, in other words, learning to pray, and then how do we honor the Holy Spirit? I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, when things got hard, challenging or whatever, that's what mattered. What doesn't matter is organ or guitar or color of, color of uh, carpet or hymn books or whether you drink wine or grape juice for communion. It doesn't matter. These things matter. And so we've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And initially, what I'm doing, I'm just looking at different... I'm actually... I do a lot of the searches through, of the words in the New Testament. So I've been trying to... So the first week we talked about receiving the Holy Spirit. That's a big phrase. Jesus uses that. It's used in the book of Acts. Uh, a couple weeks, last week we talked about the Spirit being poured out. These are biblical terms. All right. And so it's not so much about the actual term, you know, receiving or pouring out, but the, the, the idea is there is a dynamic relationship we're meant to have with the Holy Spirit. So the verbs, why they're important, the, the important thing is we are meant to have a re- dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit, that he's, we can receive him, he's poured out on us, and things begin to change in us, and there's even ways where we manifest him being inside of us in ways that uh, honor God, but also help people see God in a clear light. So this week... Uh, the word is filled with, all right, because the Bible often talks about, and many times, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So um, receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's poured out on us. Sometimes the Bible even says that he falls on us. But we're, this, we're going to look at the times in Scripture where it says we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So that initial phrase comes, and I'm just going to read from Acts chapter 2. So put, yeah, put this one up, leave that on there, up there. So Acts chapter 2, it was Pentecost, so it was Jesus said, just ascended into heaven. It was the festival of Pentecost, which they celebrated as a, uh, from, from way back in the Old Testament days. But it happened to be the day, uh, 50 days after Jesus had ascended. It says they were all gathered together in one room, all the Christians, all the followers of Jesus, 120 of them. And I just noticed this for the first time. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, we're told that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was part of that group. I, I probably knew that, but I didn't. So just think about Mary... The mother of Jesus is still, she's a follower of Jesus. And it said, and some of Jesus' brothers. Because Mary and Joseph had other children. So you might remember in the Gospels, they, they were the ones that were kind of like Jesus. You know, quit, quit pretending that you're not, you know, but now they believe. But I just, I never saw that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was part of this Pentecost group. All right. So in Acts chapter 4, we're told, as I'll just read from or Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers... We're meeting together in one place. And again, previously in Acts 1, it says there are 120 of them or so. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finishing that verse, this is they... 
began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. But I want to focus right now just on the phrase, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with, all right? And what does that mean? So, so the, uh, we have a fire pit in our backyard, so I'm a tiki torch kind of expert now. Um, we have tiki torches hanging from the trees. And each of these tiki torches are filled with something, all right? So this first one, I'm going to try to light them. All right. Light a match first. That's the first problem. Cheap matches. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right. Okay, this one. These are like fiberglass wicks. Supposed to soak up what's in there. This one's not lighting. Uh, this has something different than that one inside of it. This is filled with something different. It's not lighting. This has something different than the other two. And it's not lighting. This has something different than the other three. All right. They're filled with something different, right? I'll tell you what they're filled with. Hope there's not a smoke alarm in here. All right. I'll blow it out before I'm done. All right. This is filled with air. All right. Hey, air, it's like, it's, it's highly accessible. I wish I could just burn wicked tiki torches with air. I just have to light it all the time. Forget about porn stuff and getting messy. But this is filled with air, but it's not doing the function it's supposed to do. It's not lighting things up. All right. This one's a little more interesting. This one's filled with Red Bull. When I first tried it last night, I thought, I hope it doesn't blow up. I mean, I knew it wouldn't. There's not, there's not alcohol in there. But this is filled with Red Bull. And it's like, well, that's, it's energy. It should work, right? It's energy. You know, Red Bull, it's got like how much caffeine? Like five gallons of caffeine in there. And it's like, shouldn't that light it up? But it's filled with the wrong substance, all right? This one is just simply filled with water. Again, that's, it's, it's plentiful. Like, why shouldn't that work? That'd be way easier to just fill things with water. This one is filled with tiki torch fuel, all right? This one actually has the anti-mosquito bug in there too, so we won't get bit today during church. But, but this one is filled with what it needs to be so it functions like it's supposed to function. And I'm just even playing on the imagery of the tongue of flame. So this one is burning because it's filled with what's correct. These other things are filled with air, Red Bull, water, Maybe they're good things, but it's not functioning like it's supposed to function. So, so, what are you filled with? What am I filled with? Because we're all filled with something. And what we're filled with will say whether or not we're functioning the way God wants it to function. And like I said, air is plentiful. Red Bull makes sense. Water is plentiful. We, you know, the easy kind of things to be filled with uh, aren't the things that we function well on in terms of what we have, what we're supposed to function kind of with passion, with this flame. And what the, the song we just sang, and the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame. It's kind of this imagery of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, so the easy ways to get filled, or this is like, makes sense, right? Red Bull, but it, it doesn't work. So this, this idea of being filled with something, it's all, oh, I, I, I it's all throughout the Bible of being filled with. So we can be filled with all kinds of things. Um, you know, the common phrase we might use of somebody, and I won't, I'll use the vernacular, not the vulgar, but now oh, you're full of baloney. You're full of hot air, all right? We, we use those phrases because when something, somebody says something that we think is like, doesn't jive with the reality, they're full of hot air, they're full of baloney, or you might use more vulgar words that somebody's full of, right? But we, we understand what it means to be full of something. 
So in the Bible, there's t- you can be full of things that are make sense, whatever, but they're negative and they don't do things. And actually, there's a lot of times in the Bible where people are full of dark things. So I'll just go through a list. In the, in the, in the Gospels, when Jesus was healing people and doing miracles, it says the Pharisees were full of fury and madness. They were full of that. All right, that wasn't burning the flame. Jesus himself, when he talked about the Pharisees, he said, hold on, I think my ear's deformed. There we go. He said the Pharisees were full of greed, self-indulgence. They were full of dead, dead men's bones. They were full of impurity. They were full of hypocrisy, and they were full of lawlessness. All right? You get a sense better than why, why they really were full of fury and madness, because he didn't say nice things about them, because they thought they were full of the right stuff, but they weren't. All right? The Pharisees were full of jealousy toward Jesus. They were full of envy toward Jesus because Jesus had crowds that they didn't have. Later on in the New Testament, we're told you, anybody, we all can be full of deceit. We can be full of fraud. The Bible talks about people being full of every kind of wickedness, darkness, confusion, cursing, bitterness. You can be full of adultery, the Bible says. In the, in the book of Revelation, it says that people can be full of darkness, obscenities and impurities so we're full of something right we're full of something you got something in even air is something nobody walks around neutral so that's that's kind of the negative things that we can be full of that the bible clearly says and you know fury madness greed self-indulgence those are things we don't want to have be full of but if we're honest, some of these things may, maybe rang a bell with you a little bit. Like, I think it's some of that's still inside of me. And I didn't do the mix thing. I could have mixed some of the oil with maybe water or Red Bull. And I don't know if it would have burned or not, but it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't have burned correctly. Because you, you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, let's look at the times where some people are filled with the Holy Spirit. So, that first example is all the things people were, the Bible says we can be filled with that are negative, dark, but also very human, because we know people that are filled with those things, and we've been filled with those things. So in the New Testament, when, when Elizabeth, who was John the Baptist's mother, when she first found out she was going to be pregnant with John the Baptist, again, Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah were old, beyond childbearing years. She was cousin to Mary. So, but it said when she became pregnant with John the Baptist, it said she was filled with the Holy Spirit and the child within her, in her womb leaped. So there's this man, the spirit has manifestations in us. And she, in a loud voice, she exclaimed this praise to God. So when the Bible says she was filled with the spirit, comma, and the child in her womb leaped. So there's always these phrases, filled with the spirit, and there's usually some kind of manifestation. They do something, all right? Uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when he was filled with the spirit, it says he was filled with the spirit, and he uttered this pr- prophetic statement about his son John. So again, when the Spirit was in him, God gave him human words to say about his son. That's what prophecy is, human words that God brings to mind that speak truth, right? Uh, in the book of Acts, when they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in other languages that they hadn't learned. In the book of Acts, when it says they were filled with the Spirit, they preached the word with more boldness. Uh, Stephen, you might remember Stephen. Stephen was... Uh, appointed as one of the deacons who would help serve people. He was also the first martyr of the church. He was stoned to death in the book of Acts. But it says he was full of the Spirit 
comma, and full of faith and power, which kind of implies if you're full in the Spirit, full of the Spirit, you're full of faith, faith and power. He was full of the Spirit, it said, comma, and he did great wonders and miracles. So again, when you're filled with the Spirit, you, you function the way God wants you to function. And as he was dying, getting stoned, Acts chapter 6, I think, says Stephen was filled with the Spirit. This is as rocks are hitting him in the head, you know, comma, and he saw the glory of God. He saw into the invisible world as he was dying because he was filled with the Spirit. So when you are filled with the Spirit, you function supernaturally. You function the way you're supposed to. For later on in the book of Acts, when Paul is filled with the Spirit, he regains his sight after he'd been blinded. When he was filled with the Spirit, it says he was filled with the Spirit and his preaching became more and more powerful. When Barnabas was filled with the Spirit, it says many people were brought to the Lord. So being filled with the Spirit, powerful words, powerful responses to people to Jesus. All right? So when you're filled with the evil or deceit or fraud or confusion or those things, you're just dead. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's these manifestations. You, you, there's boldness. There's courage. You see things. You see the glory of God. You're full of faith and power. People did miracles. People had spoken languages they hadn't learned. And like these supernatural realities around them happen, not for the sake of making a display, but for the sake of drawing people to Jesus. All right? Last thing. So that was, that was all the phrase where it said they're full of the Spirit. But in the New Testament, it also just says, when it talks about believers who were full of the Spirit, they were also full of other things. So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, not only are these manifestations things that we're, we're enabled to do supernaturally, but the Bible tells us uh, we can be filled with wisdom, light, wonder, unfailing love, faithfulness. We can be full of joy, amazement, we can be full of good works and good deeds. We can be full of goodness, knowledge. We can be full of the fullness of God. Paul says that. We can be filled with the fullness of God. We can be filled with the fruit of our salvation. We can be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We know what God wants us to do. We can be filled with mercy. We can be filled with joy unspeakable. And there's one passage where it says we can be filled with glory, which kind of is a sense of your soul is totally alive and on fire, filled with the glory of God inside of you. So to some degree, we have a choice. Well, not to some degree, we do have a choice. Uh, we can be filled with fury, madness, greed, self-indulgence, jealousy, envy, deceit, fraud, wealth, wrath, darkness, confusion. Or it can be filled with wisdom, light, unfailing love, joy, wonder, goodness, knowledge, fullness of God. So the question I was asking myself when I was doing this, and I'm asked, you ask yourself, what are you full of? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the expression of what's inside of you? All right. When I have my buttons pushed, whether it's in my marriage, as a parent, or just when I'm driving and somebody's not driving according to the, my standards of driving, all right, what I'm full of comes out. I get frustrated. I'm angry. I might be impatient. So whatever you're full of can, will squeak out, especially in pressure situations. <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, so this was a group of guys all preparing to be in ministry. We didn't have classes on Friday, so it was, that was the day you go to the gym and play basketball because we just need to blow off steam. If you were to watch a group of potential pastors play basketball, 
you would have, you would have lost hope for the future of the church, all right? Not because of our shooting ability, but because the degree of conflict that happened during the games. I mean, arguing about whose turn it was to play and stuff like that. And, and at one point, I said to somebody, if this is what future leadership meetings in churches look like, count me out. Because it was, just, it was kind of getting nasty. And this person said, no, I'm only this way in competition. And I said, I said to this guy, I can picture him, but I can't remember his name. It's probably good because I'd probably look him up as a pastor and see if he's successful today. He's probably not. Anyway, <laughs> but, but, I, but I said, no, it's in the competition of the pressure cooker that the real me comes out and the real you comes out. So this is the real you and the real me that comes out in pressure. It shows what I'm full of. I knew a pa the pastor that married Kathy and I, he was a pastor of a church of like 4,000 people. Before he hired somebody on staff, he always wanted to do something with them competitive. Golf, one-on-one -on -one basketball, ping pong. He wanted to see how they responded in competition. Because he said, I, the part of them comes out in that environment that you don't see in a normal interview. Because you see what you're full of when stress happens. All right? So when I'm stressed, when you're stressed, when you're in a competitive situation, and sometimes our competitiveness is just with our own sense of schedule and time, and we want to get going, so I wish this person in front of me would drive faster or whatever. I wish my wife would stop this or do this or whatever. What comes out of you, what manifests out of you, is what you are full of. All right? If you are full of the Holy Spirit, if you are full of what we're supposed to be full of, what comes out of us is mercy and grace and courage and boldness and supernatural power to do things in people's lives, speaking in other languages for the sake of evangelism, prophesying, speaking in the words of God to encourage other people. Today, God can still do miracles to people like us if we are full of the Holy Spirit. So the question again is, what are you full of? And then the question I ask for me and I'll ask for you is, how do I change things? I mean, I don't want to be... I don't want to be full of air. I don't want to be full of just energy because it's not, those don't work, all right? They're not doing the function. So there's a passage in Ephesians. Go to, the, go to the next one here, all right? Go to the, yeah, this one right here. So in Ephesians, this is Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's encouraging them. And right before this verse, right before this phrase actually says this, he says, Leave this up here, though. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which will ruin your life. All right? Now, he's not speaking against alcohol. He's speaking against drunkenness. But it's interesting. He compares that and contrasts that. Don't be drunk with wine with ruin, ruin, that ruins your life. Instead, read those next words with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right? Don't be drunk with wine, because you think about when somebody's drunk with alcohol... Again, it's not, it's not against alcohol, but it's the drunkenness. You, you act and do things in a way that uh, are, are not you. I actually had one person tell me one time, I don't like myself until I've had a few drinks. And I said to him, you may want to check, on, check with God on that. Like, why is that? Because he was saying, I'm, I feel like I'm more me the more drunk I get. All right? Again, this is not an alcohol thing. I'm not talking. But, but it's interesting. That's what Paul contrasts it with. It's like drunkenness with this. But he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, some might argue and some of us might say, well, I thought we were filled with the Holy Spirit when we became Christians. Yes, 
But just like this, if I were to burn this for a couple nights at a, my son's friend's fire pit, what do I have to do with this sooner or later? I have to fill it again. Because it, it, the oil's used up, what's inside of it. Sometimes these actually get rusty and they leak. So it's to get filled again. And again, and again. So the, the, the sense of this verb really is instead... Let yourselves be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, well, I was filled with the Spirit back when I was 22. It's not a one-time thing. Just like, I can fill this with oil, but if I use it and it functions like it's supposed to, lighting up a dark area, sooner or later, i got to fill it again. And what's nice about these, I'm a Tiki Torch kind of aficionado, but these are called easy pour because the opening is really wide. Some of the ones I bought, the opening's like this small, and you can't pour it in there, you spill it, it's frustrating, all right? These are called easy pour, and it made me think, am I an, am I an easy pour person to the Holy Spirit? Or do, have I given, do I give a small little area, a small little window, yeah, if you want to pour it, but, or am I like an, a wide open, wide open pipe for him to pour himself? Let yourselves... So there's a sense of you're active, but you're also passive. Let yourself be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So I don't care if you've been a follower of Jesus for two months or 30 years. This passage of Paul, let yourselves be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's, I've done this a lot, you know, the idea of open hands. And there's times where I think it's really good physically to pray this way. Because you're basically saying, I, I, I know there's more you can give me, God. But again, if, I'm, if I want to be filled more with the Holy Spirit, but right now I'm filled with Red Bull or water, i got to pour out what's in there. Got to get rid of what's in there or there's no room for the oil to go in. So that's where sometimes as you're praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus may say there's some things in your life you got to get rid of. you got to pour that out you got to pour that out, that, that's standing in the way of what God can do. And you're like, yeah, but I, I need the energy that Red Bull gives me. Got that. you got to pour it out. Well, but I, but I, water is really easy for me. you got to get plenty of water, God. No, you got to pour it out. But I have to go to the store and buy the oil, God? Yeah, you gotta, it's costly. you gotta, you got you to pour out what's not in there and put in what, only what works. Right? And that's the whole process, I, I think, of, you know, phrase the Bible talks about is confession of sin. Part of that is just simply acknowledging that what's things that are in your life are getting in the way of a full functioning of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're praying for God to pour out his spirits in your life and you want to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to also listen to anything God says that's in the way. Now, I'm not saying it's all about that. I mean, God doesn't convict us so he can kind of squashes. He doesn't say, yeah, that's not full of the right thing. He doesn't throw it on the ground and start smashing it. He's like, I want to fill you with what I want to fill you with. I so much want you to be full of my life inside of you, full of joy, full of peace. I want that for you, but I can't pour it in unless you pour it out. I can't pour it what belongs in there unless you pour out what doesn't belong in there. So this idea of let yourself be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it's an everyday kind of thing. And to ask God to fill me with your Holy Spirit, 
you, you have no control over what he says next. Because he may ask things. Like I said, in the book of Acts, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, a lot of them were persecuted and endured hardship. Yes, there was mass conversions. Yes, there was boldness and peace and joy. And it said there was a mass generosity toward one another in the church. But it also said somewhere, I don't believe that's going to be in our near future, but I'm not saying it can't be because the Bible says some of them were beaten with rods and they were persecuted and most of the disciples were martyred. So the Holy Spirit, although he brings incredible life and energy and the power of God and boldness, um, it's something that the enemy hates intensely. Satan is okay if anybody's just this. Hey, I'm filled, with, I'm filled with air, and I can get it to burn a little bit if I want to. Satan has no trouble with that. But once you're full of the Holy Spirit, and God can use you in incredible ways to start impacting people's lives and changing the world around you, I guarantee it that uh, you will become a target of the enemy because he knows that now you're dangerous. You're not dangerous here, here, or here. Now you're dangerous you're dangerous in a really good way, but not according to Satan. According to God, you are dangerous in a really good way because you're going to change the world. So, uh, let's close your eyes with me. And we, I, we sang this a few weeks ago, but I'll, I'll just lead you in this a cappella. There's a song, you, most of you know it, but it starts out with, uh, Father, I adore you, lay my life before you, how I love you. And then it's Jesus, I adore you. Jesus, I adore you, lay my life before you. But the third part is spirit, I adore you. So it just goes like this. I'll sing it once, just, and you, you then ask you to join me. It's spirit, I adore you, lay my life before you, how I love you. All right, sing that with me. We'll sing it through twice. Spirit, I adore you, lay my life before you, how I love you. One more time, eyes closed, but hands open. Spirit, I adore you, Lay my life before you, how I love you. Holy Spirit, that is a scary prayer. I'll admit that. It's a scary prayer to say to you, I'm laying my life before you. Because I want to stay in control, but I don't want to stay in control. I want what you have to offer me, which is fullness in my soul, fullness of joy, supernatural boldness, courage, peace, supernatural generosity, mercy, compassion toward others. That's what really what we want. So would you give us the courage and the grace to override our fear of letting go and trusting that what you can do in us and through us is what we were all created for and we'll be completely and fully alive when that happens. And we're, we, we love you, and uh, again, uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.